You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to episode 73 of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And on this week's show, we have a first. It's the first time we've had a player-coach combo, but not just that. We're going one step further. It's a father and son combo. We have Cameron Hildreth and his father, Danny Hildreth, who is obviously a former BBL pro himself. Meanwhile, Cameron is one of the top prospects of his generation, 2002 born, class of 2021, um, and he's been long being touted over the last couple of years as one of the uh, next great players to come out of the UK getting all sorts of attention from all over the place. Um, and the reason we're doing this podcast now is because he has just announced his commitment to Wake Forest, a high major ACC school. Um, and I believe it to be the first time we've had a player jump directly from the UK without doing a year in prep school uh, or whatever, or high school um, to a high major program. So it's big news, um, not only for uh, for Cameron, but also I hope for British basketball uh, in proof that we can develop players. They can stay here uh, until they get to the age of 18, 19 and ready to go direct uh, to college uh, from the UK. But we didn't just discuss his um, decision, uh, which obviously has been interesting because the recruiting process has been very different because of COVID. He's not been able to go on any visits. It's all been done virtually. So we heard a lot about that. But also the pathway, uh, weighing up the options between uh, going to Europe, going to the States, and not just that, but also the BBL. He revealed in this that he was actually offered a six-year deal uh, from the London Lions. Um, So it was super interesting to get into all of that stuff. And having his dad there um, to give context and provide extra information uh, and also talk about his own his development uh, and his coaching him over the years uh, proved to be a really nice dynamic that I really enjoyed and I think proved to be a super interesting uh, conversation. Now, before we do get into the show, there's two things I need to talk about. One, we have just relaunched our online store. You can see, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, this hat, a new drop uh, collaboration with New Era, super slick, um, super high quality, which is available to buy. And also, we've got sweatshirts that look a little bit like that and t-shirts in a very similar design if you want to support the work that we're doing please go and check it out at store.hoopsfix.com that is store.hoopsfix.com there you can buy gear it's selling quick I need to do a restock there is some stuff that is out of stock but please go and check it out if you want something tangible and to support the work that we're doing at Hoopsfix please go and uh, consider buying some swag Uh, not only that our Patreon account, uh, as always, do need to mention it. Patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix, P A T R E O N.com forward slash H O O P S F I X. There you can start to give us a monthly or annual contribution of as much or as little as you like to help us do the work that we're doing. It goes a long way in supporting us to become a fully independent and sustainable and grow this thing to as big as we possibly can can. Uh, As always, if you're watching on YouTube, take two seconds to leave a comment. Let me know what you think about this episode uh, below. Um, If you want to reach out to me personally, drop me an email, sam at hoopsfix.com, or you can reach out to me on every single social media platform at Hoopsfix. Now, before we get into the show, there's one final thing I need to say. We had massive technical issues for the first 20, 30 minutes before we could actually start the recording. Then when we did get the recording, even though the internet was okay, uh, the visuals, the video does get bit pixelated at times. If you stick with it, it gets better. The video is a little bit dodgy. Audio, absolutely fine, but the video is a little bit dodgy. Anyway, that is enough from me. Here is this week's show with Cameron and Danny Hildreth. Danny, Cam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Obviously, uh, yeah, we've had some endless tech issues. We're finally finally going. Um, Big news to start with. Uh, Cam, obviously... 
a commitment out of you. Uh, so can you tell us uh, the news, what you've decided and where you're going? So, yeah, this process has been very difficult for me to, you know, receiving multiple different offers and having, you know, loads of information coming at me. Um, I think, you know, as a family um, and myself, you know, after receiving all the information that, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm committing to Wake Forest, uh, which is in the ACC. So, you know, I'm really excited for this, um, for this, yeah, kind of speechless. Um, it's going to be an amazing opportunity for me and I can't wait. Can you talk about sort of how the recruitment process has been for you? Um, kind of who who else has been talking to you, sort of who you've had offers from and uh, how you decided to make the commitment to Wake Forest? So, yeah, my recruitment process started at the beginning of this year where I received my first um, offer, which was at one of the basketball session or basketball training was a National League session they came to. And then after that, they offered me, um, which was Montana State. Um, and, you know, when I first received that, I was blown away. Like, it was such an amazing feeling to, you know, receive an offer. Obviously, it's been my dream since, like, I could be able to walk or even think <laughs> about doing anything to, you know, go to college in America. So, you know, that was an amazing opportunity and, you know, feeling. Um, and then from there, you know, I just kind of decided I got more offers just throughout, I guess, speaking, co coaches speaking to each other. Um, and then the ANGT tournament was, I think, the decider for me where, you know, I received most of my offers and just kind of blew up from there. You know, I had um, opportunities to go in Europe. Um, then these big schools came to me from America. And so the recruitment process has just been, you know, crazy. Yeah, I think when, when uh, Chris came over from, uh, obviously, from Montana, he, he was looking at a few guys in, in, in the UK, um, came to our practice and then, afterwards just sort of sat down and was like so you know we're going to offer you right and like Cameron's face just like like where he whirled up and he was like what like he couldn't believe like really like what do you mean you're offering you know and you know you know that was that was great because it was the first one wasn't it yeah. and uh yeah, it's just been a roller coaster since, to be perfectly honest with you. Chris, Chris Haslam, I like, always got love for Chris because he's always on top of all the British kids coming through and making sure that uh, Montana State is in there early. Um, you know, like I guess when when sort of weighing up options, you know, you've got decisions to make whether you go to a smaller school where potentially you're going to be the man, you're going to have the ball in your hand all the time, and you're going to play a lot from early, or you've got an option to maybe go to a high major where you're going to spend a little bit less time uh, on the court to begin with and sort of develop over the years. Like, kind of how do you weigh up that decision? You know, where do you see your role uh, being and what are they saying to you about kind of how they see you slotting in kind of in your freshman year? Well, you know, the, like you say, the, the playing for me is kind of important. You know, I like to go somewhere, have a chip on my shoulder and prove that I'm good enough to be in situations. And, you know, obviously at the beginning when I got this mid-major offer, it was something crazy. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go here and work hard. And then these big, crazy Power 5 schools were coming. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, this is crazy. I didn't even imagine to have anything like this. And, you know, I think the role that I'm, you know, we've been speaking to coach about at Wake Forest is that they want me to come in and be an impact straight away. And I feel like that's really big for me. Like, you know, I've got to prove that I'm capable of doing that in the best league, one of the best leagues playing against the best teams. You know, the ACC is one of the most famous, you know, leagues in, in the college basketball. So I think that's something that, you know, it's a challenge, but I like taking challenges and I'm willing to, you know, do what it takes to make sure that I succeed in, in that type of league. When, when, when this first started, Sam, um, Cameron was getting starting to drip feed offers coming through. Um, you know, he had two or three offers from sort of 
uh, A10 schools, and, and we were like, okay, this is this is great. Like this is where they pitched him at, right? You know, we had three from the same conference, so you're starting to think, well, this is probably his level, you know. If it, and and we then we had one higher major, and we we're like, okay, well, maybe they know something that we don't, or or whatever. But we still sort of pitched at that level, so there was a lot of time invested. Um, you know, one of the schools was was George Washington, uh, where Pops went, obviously. Um, you know, and and they were absolutely fantastic. They they were great. And as I say, we were like, okay, this is where Cameron's at. The one that was higher, okay, that, that's great, but maybe that's pie in the sky. And as I say, as the process went on, suddenly you got another one, and then another one, and then another one. Then you're like, okay, now we've got five at that level. Maybe that's where he should be at. Maybe that's where he should be pitched at. But your point, your point was right. It's always about. Are you going to play or are you going for the experience? And, you know, Cameron can go on more about some of the opportunities that, that were presented to him. But, yeah, it's just been it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Just just quickly on, on that point, uh, Danny, as a, as a father, you know, I get one of the sort of more frequent um, emails I'll receive is from parents of children. Normally, the parents don't have a basketball background, which I think which is obviously unique in, in, in your guys situation. But the parents don't have a basketball background. They've got a talented young player who you know in most cases wants to go to the states and has got no idea in terms of advice guidance they should be giving where they should be going and all that kind of stuff like when you're approaching it and you're looking at it when you're advising cam sort of what are you thinking about and i guess what could other parents that maybe don't have the basketball background that you have um be able to take from this to be able to sort of help guide their own children yeah i think i think that's you know, we've talked about this throughout the whole process. I, you know, I feel like we're in a very privileged position being in this situation. The fact that I do have a number of contacts within the game. I have got an experience of playing the game and stuff. Um, but, but to be honest with you, we've always said from day one, my wife and I have always said that it's got to be Cameron's decision at the end of the day. I, I can sit there and I can give him all the information in the world. The school's going to give him all the information. We can look at it from an educational standpoint. We can look at it from a, you know, uh, a cultural standpoint We've, there's lots of different aspects we can look at but ultimately when push comes to shove he's the one who's going to live with this decision so he's the one that's got to make the final decision so so for me um i think probably it, it was more of a curse than an advantage because the way i am so we'd get a call say for example i don't know xavier call so what do i do for the next three days I, i'm i'm doing scouting reports almost on how they play. I'm watching game takes till 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm searching up on how often, how long the coach has been within his contract. What kids are there when Cameron would go there? What kids are coming in from the class before? What kids are leaving? You know, so for me, it, it became just an obsession to make sure I could provide Cameron with as much information as possible. So, um I, I don't know. I don't even know how somebody who doesn't have a basketball background would even come to this decision because you know it's been so. It's been great, but it's been so stressful. It's been it's been tough on the family. It's been incredibly tough on Cameron. Um, you know, the biggest thing I would say is that you have to get a feel for for the staff. You have to form relationships with the staff, and and that's going to be the most important thing along the way. Also, understanding that this is a business. Okay, so these are ultimately this this is a marketing tool for these guys. They're salesmen. They're trying to sell their product to get you to buy into it. So you know you you do have to sift through some of it. Um, you know, and and with all due respect, you know the American way is very you know glitz and glam, which is great. Um, but you've got to figure out what actually is is real. 
um, and, and how much you need to say, okay, well, everybody's told us that. So <laughs> is it really still valid, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Cam, when you when you talk about uh, the recruiting process, um, obviously COVID has, has impacted things somewhat, I would guess. Uh, have you taken any visits? Um, have you actually been out there at all or has it been all done remotely over calls like this? COVID has been probably the, the toughest thing throughout this, you know, recruitment process because, you know, normally a coach would come here or, you know, we'd be able to go out and visit, but we haven't been able to do any of that. And, you know, it's kind of, it's so difficult to be able to just, after so many calls of different schools, just doing the same thing over and over again, you know, over a Zoom call, it's just, it got kind of like, not tiring, but like it was just, was it wasn't the same effect as a person to person type of talk. But, you know, I haven't unfortunately been able to go out and visit yet, but, you know, we've been able to do like virtual tours. We've been doing, you know, they've you know they've called us and taken us around the school and spoken to all the academic teachers, the physios, the nutritionists. You know, they've, we've seen the dorms. They've shown us everything like we were there to visit. Like, you know, they couldn't have done it any better. And I think the fact that we have this Zoom thing is unbelievable for us because I don't think without it, we wouldn't, probably wouldn't have been able to make a decision because we, have, we would have been blind going into it. And that's what we've been waiting on the whole time, Sam. Yeah. You know, we've told them, we've been really upfront and honest to every school we've spoken to. We've said, you know, you can give us all the information in the world. If you're if you're serious about Cameron and you're, you're willing to, to offer him an official visit, we will come and then we can really gauge. You know, we, we kept saying it's like buying a house. You, unless you've got loads of money, you're not going to buy a house blind, right? You're going to go in and you're going to like, wow, this is the one. And that's what we wanted Cameron to have. That was the biggest thing for us as a family. Is like, we want Cameron to have that experience. And it was taken away from him. Um, we waited as long as we could. Uh, there was a dead period until the 1st of September. Then they extended it to the, first, the end of September. And now they've just extended it to the 1st of January. So for us, for Cameron to have to, to go through this, continue to go through this you know, stressful time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, we just said, you know, enough's enough. We have enough information about the school. There's not going to be a wrong decision. Um, we're comfortable with whatever decision, final decision Cameron makes, but we, we need to we need to commit now. And huge respect to, to Wake. They've said that they're not going to take him away, his opportunity to visit, so they're going to fly us out there when it's available, when it's an opportunity, so that Cameron still gets that, that real feel of, of, a, of, a, of a visit, despite, you know, despite already committing. I was going to ask, was, was there, like, I mean, still, it's, it's, it's a relatively early commitment, right? Because Cam's class of 2021. Um, so was there any part of you that thought, oh, well, I'll hold off until hopefully this COVID thing gets under control and then you can do official visits and then make a decision after that? Or was it a case of it's just been so stressful, you just want to make it done and you know what you're doing and then you can just kind of get on with your, your season, your life or whatever? I mean, you know, the whole process of receiving multiple different offers and you know, it was such an amazing feeling at the beginning, but then it kind of got to the point, especially during lockdown, where we were, you know, sat at home. We didn't really have anything else to do or think about. All that was on my mind was the colleges. Oh, they, they do this. Hang on, these guys do this, but they're talking about this and these guys are talking about that. And it got to the point where it just started to, like, you know, get to me quite a lot. And, you know, I started stressing out. I started, you know, like, you know, how I wasn't dealing with it the best. And, you know, I could have kept waiting and, you know, going on throughout the whole season, but. I felt like it for myself, like selfishly for me to be able to make the commitment like now, it allows me to, you know, kind of get that to a side and just focus on that one school and then allow my season just to happen without things going on my mind. Because I feel like, you know, if I was to if I was to wait to make the decision 
during the season, I'd probably still be thinking about it, then I might not have been able to perform as well because I'm worried that I still need to play well or something like that. So I think the commitment now is, is going to help me massively mentally, for sure. And the other, and the other thing as well is that um, it's not Cameron being an international student isn't it's not isolated to just him. You know, there, it's a dead period. So you, you might be in North Carolina, you can't visit Wake Forest to go on a visit. I'm sorry, visit, go on a visit. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it, you, it's a dead period. Nobody can go visit. So mm. you're finding that a lot of this class are committing without even visiting. That even you know, kids in the states are committing without going to see the school, without really meeting, and they're doing exactly the same process as what we've done. We've obviously just done it from from across the pond. When you're talking about what schools are putting together in terms of like uh, a sort of virtual recruiting package, like what are they? What have they been doing? Are they sending you videos, um, tours of their facilities? Like, are they? Are you doing a live tour on Zoom? Like, kind of how how has it actually played out? There was um, one time that there was like, it's like Google Maps. It was unbelievable. Like it was on the phone. You could tap a place and it would just take you forward. Then you'd tap into the door and it would take you into the door. <laughs> and it was just showing you around the whole facility. And you just, you look at it and it's like unbelievable. Um, and then one time, obviously, you know, if I was to go visit, there could have been practices. And, you know, I'd hope, hopefully like to join in and the practice feels good to visit or watch it at least. Um, and we weren't able to do that. So Wake Forest set up. It's camera, like what was it called? Um, it's just like a CCTV. Oh, just like camera, a CCTV. Anyway, like yeah. And it followed the ball and stuff, and it was crazy. It was like I was there, and we watched the whole practice, and you know, were able to see it like I was actually there. And I thought mm. that was, you know, amazing. Like the what they were showing us, what they were sending us, videos. They were, you know, FaceTiming. They were zooming. You know, pretty much every day, giving us new information. They were just giving us everything we needed to know, pretty much. You got you got graphics daily, oh, different yeah. graphics, different videos, like some funny, some serious, some great. You know, there's so many comparisons. I mean, we we had schools talk. You know, literally showing us a video of, of um, I don't know. Uh, Manu Ginobili doing something and then the next clip is Cameron doing exactly the same move at, at ANGT and they're like, yeah. this is how we see you going in that yeah. direction. Then they, you know, another school would be like, right, this is how we run our offense. So this is where we see you fit and, and they come off a flare screen and hit the three. Boom, the next clip is Cameron coming off a flare, flare screen and hitting a three. So it just gave you a real sense that, yeah. you know, again, it's still a selling point, but it's like, look, you're going to come here and this is what you do now. So why would we, you know, we don't need to change you. And that was the biggest thing yeah. for, for me as a as a parent coach. The biggest thing for me was if you like Cameron for what he does, then you need to have Cameron do what he does, right? Don't like what he does now. The reason he's the player he is and the reason you like him is because of this. Don't then take him and then be like, right, we just need you to spot up in the corner and shoot threes, for example. Um but yeah, I mean, we got taken around in a golf cart yeah. uh, as a Zoom corner. They're literally in a golf buggy driving around campus. Yeah, around campus, not getting hit by cars. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we had some yeah. great times along the way. Really, really good. But um, yeah, they, they've done literally no stone unturned has been the, for, for a couple of the schools in particular. Um, and, you know, you can talk a little bit about the, the school that was the last one down. But yeah. they were just absolutely sensational. And it was sort of almost heartbreaking to... To, it was like a breakup because we were honest with everybody weren't we we yeah. like it's down to you too like um but yeah it was like a breakup i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that other score and how close you were to making yeah that i mean the phone call to the unfortunate phone call to you know tell them that unfortunately i wasn't going to commit 
was quite emotional because we would end up, there was a point where for like, I think probably a month and a half to two months, we were talking every single day, put like phone calls and a message. And, you know, we were talking about everything, just normal life as well. And, you know, the family as well had a great connection with them. It was Arkansas and, you know, Coach Moser was one of the coaches and, you know, I was speaking to him like, you know, he was my friend type thing. And he was like, we were talking about all sorts and kind of got that emotional connection. You know, he was singing happy birthday to me, you know, to my sister. Um, <laughs> when it was my sister's birthday, that him and his wife sung happy birthday. I mean, like the, the connection and relationship we built, I think was just very, you know, strong. And then to say, unfortunately, no to them was so difficult. But, you know, the, the connection relationship that we have with Wake Forest is equivalent, if not, you know, better. Like, I just, they're, they're great people and, you know, they have respect for us and we have major respect for them. Is there any part of you that finds the, I, I find when I've spoken to players that have been recruited, uh, especially being British, culturally, it's so different. Like, Americans are so full on in a way that British people very much aren't. Did you find it a little bit overwhelming at times in the way that they're just like, I mean... You know, I hit like as, as great it is that a coach is, you know, calling your sister happy, for a happy birthday or whatever. Like, I'm there saying, I'm like, that is intense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um... <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, there's so much hype in, in American basketball, obviously, and they're probably used to all the fame and all the, you know, crazy highlights, all that ballers' life stuff. And, you know, for me to receive something like that from someone across the world that was a stranger three months ago to be singing this or something <laughs> like, you know, it's crazy and like, you know, yeah. Yeah. It was it was pretty intense, was but intense. but you know we we constantly said to Cameron again, you know, like we've got to sift through what's what's genuine and not. And and honestly, the guys at Arkansas were so genuine. You know, I I, I don't have a bad word to say about it, uh, and about the staff. I mean, when you're talking about their staff, they they have 52 years of, of NBA experience. You know, to to turn around to a, a staff and say we're sorry we're not coming with that, like something's got you know like. That's big time. That's yeah. big time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you sift through some of that stuff and it, it was pretty intense sometimes. But actually, you know what? It made it made it fun as well. You know, you talking Cam's talked about how much it affected him and it did. It really affected him mentally, um, you know, and, and to have that side of things as well actually made it a little bit of fun. There's been a well, there is always a lot of talk about the pathway in the UK and there's a few different offshoots of it that I'd like to go into but just the, the first obvious one is Europe versus the USA um, you know you, you've chosen to go to America kind of why America and not going the European route uh, and you mentioned briefly that you, you did have interest um, from European teams who were the clubs in Europe that were showing interest and kind of what was your thought process around Europe versus America if you don't mind I'll jump in here so the thing, the thing for that I, I feel, and I've spoken a lot about, with people about this. If you, if you're a Lithuanian and you grow up playing basketball in Lithuania, you want to play for the best Lithuanian team because you can play as a pro, and that, and that's your goal. And you, yes, you want to play national team, but that's your goal. In the UK, and I mean no disrespect to any BBL teams, but that's our, that's our top league. As a, as a 12, 13, 14 plus year old. Do you have those aspirations to say, wow, if I get to go and play for X, Y, Z in the BBL, I've, I've reached my goal. That's my dream. So I think I personally think that for, for, for kids in the UK, actually, the dream is to go to America because it is something different because you believe that the next step is greater still. Right. So, I mean, you, you had you had opportunities to go to 
Uh, a couple of teams in, in Spain, Manresa, were, were where Luke Nelson was for a while. Um, so Germany, there's a team in Germany, BBL team in Germany. Um, but at the end of the day, it came down to Cameron wanting to, to have that experience that, well, you can say, yeah. at, at the age of you well, know, yeah. dot, you wanted to always take that, take that route, right? Yeah, I think with the whole American route and stuff, like I say, from very young, I've always wanted to go to America. Um, and I feel just like the whole environment about American basketball becoming that. Like if you to go to Europe, you know, you're a professional basketball player. Like that's your job. You don't go to school. You know, you go to training, then you go back home, then you go to a game or whatever it is. Whereas, you know, at, at like college in America, you have school and, you know, you have the lifestyle of, you know, being in America. And then you have, you know, some of the facilities that you're going to play at is in America in college is going to be unbelievable. And I like, yeah, of course, European basketball experience and atmosphere is incredible, but I just don't personally, I don't feel like, you know, compare it to college in America, the atmosphere is going to be crazy. Um, you know, I like, I just like the whole fact of staying in education, making sure, you know, cause uh, you know, I don't like to say it, but you say it a lot. One day the ball's going to stop bouncing. Um, and I need to think about something after that. So the fact that I want to stay in education as well and then play basketball at the highest level with the whole you know, college experience is something that I really want to do and have been wanting to do for ages. Um, don't get me wrong, European did come to my mind at some stage, but I think you know, going to college in America is a no-brainer no for me. The BBL, you know, we did our owner's roundtable um, a few months ago, which stirred a lot of debate about various different things um but the sentiment from from a lot of the owners was very much that uh most kids that go to the states are wasting their time if they want to be a professional basketball player you know and i think there's a lot of nuance to that that conversation and it very much depends on the player and the situation um i'd be interested to know whether any bbl clubs uh were actively recruiting you and trying to sign you um and sort of how those conversations potentially went. And, you know, of course, like you're, you're playing for Worthing Thunder in Division 1. Um, you're on, on the South Coast. I would imagine that there is potentially no reason why, if there was a way of making it work, you could travel to London for your last season if it was the Lions or, or whatever. Like, um, But, yeah, can I talk about how the BBL fits into all of this? Yeah. Yeah, so BBL, you know, we were thinking about, you know, whether there was an opportunity for me to go to play in the BBL, obviously, because when I, okay, so last year when I went to go to play Division One men, I personally didn't think I was going to do anywhere near as well as I did, you know, from being a 17-year-old going and playing against grown men that are playing in this, you know, league that, you know, some of them are 28 years old, played towards the end of their career, um, then you've got some kids that are at their prime career, and, you know, at 24, and, you know, I never expected to do as well as I did. Um, and then after a few games, <clears throat> I like kind of figured out that maybe I am capable of playing in this league. Um, and then towards the end of the year, we started talking about like you know whether there was an opportunity for me to go play BBL. Um, one, I think there was one uh, training session I went to, which was Royals City Royals, just before they folded um, with Lloyd. He asked me to go train with them, and I was like, you know, let's just see what happens. And the level obviously is a, a big jump. Um, but, you know, I, I personally didn't think I was out of place. But then again, obviously, it's a big jump from Division 1 to BBL. Um, and then this year, trying to maybe think about going to the BBL, um, London Lions spoke to me about um, possibly going to play for them. You know, they wanted me to go play with them and at the BBL and then also go play with them in the EuroLeague um, tournament that they were doing. Um, and that was something, you know, pretty, you know, humbling to be able to receive something like that to play at that high level. 
Um, but you know, the, tra- the times that they were training would affect it when I was at school and I'd have to miss lessons. Um, you know, sometimes they would probably fly out and then I'd have to miss school again. So I think, unfortunately, I had to kind of say like no to them just because, you know, I needed to stay in school. I needed to finish my education so that I can go to the States and get the high GPA that, or the GPA that I need to get. Um, and I think the program at Thunder um, allows me to kind of just play myself, play my game. I don't think there's too much structure. Um, whereas, you know, maybe if I was to go to a BBL or another Division One men's team, um, I feel like, you know, I might have a bit more of a position, like you're here to do this and this. Whereas, you know, it's going to be my last year um, playing in, in the UK, well, hopefully. Um, and, um, you know, playing with Tom Ward um, and Jack Sunderland, who's just come back, I think it's going to be really, you know, enjoyable as well, um, which I'm really looking forward to. Obviously, with the knowledge of Zaire as well, helping me throughout the way. Whereas I was the other way. Okay, so for me, this year is about his development, preparing him for for college, right? We, we always knew that. Um, you know, L- London Lions did come to, to Cameron. They came to Cameron with a, with an offer, and obviously I'm not going to go into the details of that offer. Um, but for, for me, if, if you want English talent to stay, if you want the best English talent to stay in the country, you need to make it really worth their while and, and maybe over and above worth their while so that you don't look at the bright lights of, you know, with, with so Arkansas, Arkansas has got 20,000 seats, a Bud Wharton Arena, 20,000 seats. It's basically an NBA facility and everything you could possibly wish for. Right? And, and, and if cameras are go, they wouldn't pay, pay a penny. Wake Forest is the same. Exactly, you know, Xavier is the same. Texas Tech. Now, all these schools, you're talking about an NBA experience. So what are you comparing that to? You're comparing that with, and I mean this honestly, with all due respect, you're comparing that to playing in the UEL and then playing at the Copper Box in front of a few thousand people. And, and you know, financially, you're not talking about really any kind of money that's going to make you go, okay, no, I can do not. this, I can do this for, you know, four or five years and then I'm set or anything like that. And, and actually, you know, I don't know if I'm saying this out of turn, but even... So he, he was offered he was offered a six year deal with, with London Lions, which sounds sounds incredible, right? I mean that that's an investment. But, you know, that's also a very long period of time. You know, Cam would have one year of, of this season and then four years of college and then coming out as his entry year. What level would he be coming out as an entry level financially? So, you know, obviously Luke Nelson went to, to Irvine, comes out, he goes into, you know, plays a um uh, where did he go? Grand Canaria. Okay, so his entry level amount, I would argue, was a hell of a lot more than the entry level amount that Cam would be six years down the line at London. So the argument then is then, what experience do you get in London? What experience do you then get in in America? In in that. So so um, yeah, it was it was a no. It goes back to it was really just a no brainer. You know, mm. there was there wasn't enough there, and I'm not, and it's not just you know. London Lions, it's, I don't believe that the game over here p- could provide enough for, to keep a, a young English player. And the biggest thing as well was we weren't talking about Cameron going to a Division Two school, no disrespect. We weren't talking about going mid-major, no disrespect. But we're talking about him going high-major. I think that's a very big difference to saying I'm going to go to a lower mid-major Division One school and I'll see what happens. Yeah. If, if, if just a go into that a little bit you don't obviously you don't need to talk about the figures that were spoken about specifically for the Lions deal but if we were talking and we don't speak specifically about Cam but if we were talking about if you, we were talking about um, keeping the top British players in the UK going in above and beyond in terms of an offer 
financially to keep them here. What sort of figures do you think we'd need to be talking about to be able to keep someone here? We don't want 50 to 100 grand. I would, I would feel like it would be 50 to 100 grand a year as a starting point when they're looking at high major offers, right? 100%. I mean, yeah. when you look at a scholarship offer, um, you know, George Washington's scholarship offer is $92,000 a year. Yeah. So you've got that for four years. You come out with an education in, in the number one business school in America, <laughs> right? And, and, and you have to pay for nothing along the way. On top of that, you get, you know, independent living allowance and stuff like that as well. So as a comparison, you're talking, you know, you're touching half a million over four years. And then you're talking what we'll give you. And this is hypothetical. This is not any way related. We'll give you, you know, a, a grand a month, I know, 500 pound a month or two grand a month, yeah. you know, to come and play in, in, in the UK. The problem is, as, as you say, how, I don't know how many players in, in, in the BBL are earning 50 to 100,000 pound a year. Yeah. So are you going to invest in a kid who's 17 years old or 18 years old if they, they you know, 19 if they do three years at, in an academy league or whatever else? Are you going to invest 50 to 100,000 pounds in the hope that in four years' time that kid's going to be your superstar and, and win you start and everything else? Mm. They need to win now, right? They yeah. need to win now. The yeah. coaches need to win now. They need to get their sponsorship. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a competition, unfortunately. Quickly on the um, the ANGT uh, point, uh, I just want to, just for context for people, that, that was the EuroLeague Junior Tournament um, that happened in February. That was pretty much, I think, some of the last basketball I attended before before lockdown started. Um, and that was uh, Barking Abbey um, entered and they were, because it's an under-18 tournament rather than an under-19 and they had a lot of final years, they, they were allowed to bring in a couple of guest players, which obviously included yourself, can you, you know, you said that it was after that that really kind of it blew up uh, your recruit recruiting. Can you just sort of recap that whole scenario uh, going back to it, your expectations going into that tournament um, and then how you thought you were going to do compared to how you ended up actually doing? Yeah, so um, obviously going into a whole new academy type thing, never really, I've never played with that team before. I might have played with a couple of individual players, like a Southeast tournament a few years back, but, you know, not knowing any of their offenses, any of their defenses, how they, you know, how they work on the court. Um, we had two, we had two training sessions. I was there for two days and then we, we flew out or three days and we flew out with two sessions. Um, they were only like an hour and a half long. We did some individual sessions as well. Um, but, you know, to, together as a team, so I had to learn all the offenses, um, you know, the defenses, how they, you know, they got into the screen and stuff. Um, and, you know, when we got to the tournament, you know, going into like this type of league where they're all European, some of them are professional players, you know, they, some of them have got contracts playing for their men's team. Um, you know, I'm like a bit nervous at first. I'm not really sure how to go into the game, not really sure, like, kind of what exactly my role was. Um, but James Veer, you know, kind of spoke to me and he was just like, look, just take the opportunity and, you know, thank you like, thank you very much to James for allowing me to have this opportunity because without it, I'd, I probably wouldn't be in this position I am right now, if I'm honest, so big thanks to James. Um, but yeah, the tournament itself was an, ex an amazing experience, something that I probably won't really experience something like that again, um, you know, with the European type of basketball um, the arena was amazing, and the way I played, you know, after the first game, um, you know, I, I think it was kind of just a, a set for me that, you know, okay, maybe I can do what I do in, the, in England, I can do that in Europe as well. 
um, which was kind of, you know, I took it on the chest and I was like, okay, let's see what this happens. And then as the, the tournament went on, you know, I kind of performed pretty well. And I think it was just unbelievable. And I'm very, you know, appreciative of having that offer to go. Do you think that, like, I, I feel like, I, I think I remember having this conversation with you, Danny, when we were there, that there's just a thing very much, especially with, with American coaches, uh, but even maybe in Europe, where it's like, anything that any player does against British competition just isn't counted. And it's not in, it's not until, you know, you, they do it again, even if you went to play against high schools that are trash in the States, and then you did it, then it's like, that counts for something, regardless of what he's doing in Division One men, you know, which is clearly a higher level than the vast majority of high schools in the States. Um, and then the same, it's like, okay, you know, he's already tearing up Division One men over here, but he's only got the offer from Montana State at that point, I assume, or the interest from Montana State. And it's like, okay, we're going to go to the EuroLeague Junior Tournament. You know, he becomes All-Star 5, like absolutely, you know, you upset, upset, um, got the victory against uh, Juventus. And then all of a sudden, like the sort of floodgates open. Why do you think the perception of of uh, the competition against uh, British talent, against Division One men, is seen so poorly in comparison to other levels anywhere else? That, that's a million dollar question. And I think that's something that we really struggle with. And, um, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. English guys against English competition just doesn't have the kudos that, that it deserves. You know, we, we, we've had so much talent go to the States with so you know, guys going into Europe, you know, guys that have earned millions of pounds playing basketball from the UK, you know, guys have had careers spanning however many years and stuff. So, I don't really know what the stigma is to it until you go and play in the Euros. So the European, you know, the FIBA competitions and, you know, in this instance, the Cameron, um, you know, the ANGT. But I really don't I really don't get it. But one of the things that, that you know, I hope, you know, I, I don't know that it will. I really hope that, you know, maybe Cameron, having done what he did, you know, in Lithuania, um, you know, hopefully that opens a few more doors for, for some other players as well. You know, like, yeah, okay, this kid here is doing similar sort of stats to Cameron in his academic, in, in, in his account, academy league. So actually maybe there's there's comparative levels and stuff. And, you know, as I say, hopefully it hopefully opens some, some doors uh, for, for some other guys because it will open the eyes of, of some of these recruits both in Europe and, and the States as well. Yeah, I mean, the conversation uh, we were having the other day... Um... And I was going back and forth with Carl Youngman as well, also from, from Sussex Storm, about the fact that I th I'm pretty sure that Cam will become the first player to jump direct from the UK to a high major school without doing a year at prep school um, or, you know, going to JUCO for a couple of years and then and then transferring. Um, which, again, I think is, is massive for the culture, like in terms of allowing other kids coming through to look at it and say, oh, well, actually, maybe I don't need to go to high school or whatever and I can stay here, and which I think is you know is beneficial for the game. Like obviously, for, for the British game, having Cam here until he leaves is a good thing. You know, we don't lose any time and, and for other players to be able to see that is, is great. Um, but one of the things that we, we hear, and I think one of the reasons that we see so many kids do a prep year, so to speak, uh, is because that the adjustment to American competition is is massive because of the athleticism and the speed and the quickness, which I guess we're not really used to in, in the UK. You know, when you look at that, is there anything that you can do specifically to prepare um, that you can try and uh, adapt so that the transition is a little bit easier than, than, it, than it might be uh, otherwise that you would, so you can make up for it without having to do that year in the States first? 
I think the biggest thing is is for Cameron is playing Division One men this year. And you know, again, you know, any kids that are, you know, I believe he's probably capable of playing in the BBL this year. And and if things had worked out differently logistically and stuff like that, then it would have been nice for him to have that opportunity. But um, yeah, I just think that that's what it is. You know, Cameron's going to go up against you know a seventeen-year-old. We you know he's going up against grown men, as he's already said. Now you look at all the highlight tapes of, of these top 100 recruits in America, and you know again, um, in all due respect, they're going up against like 15, 16 year olds. They're going up against overweight guys that are wearing tracksuits and playing. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm taking the Mickey, but but that's what it's like. And you know, and unfortunately, it's just because you know we we made this point already. When you go over there and you compete against. Uh, you know, their guys, they then respect you because you're going up against what they know and what they see. You know, the first game you mentioned against uh, Juventus, they, they had three guys that are NBA prospects. So when, when Cameron goes up against three NBA prospects and, and wins a game, and, you know, game winner and everything, actually, now we need to take note about that kid. But but the, the last thing I'll say real quick is that with our conversations with, with Wake Forest, um, we're, we're speaking with the nutritionist, we're speaking with the SNC guy and the physio. We're going to start his preparation now for when he gets there. So we're, we're asking them what they need him to do and what they need him to eat, when they need him to eat and stuff like that. So actually his transition into, you know, August, September, whenever he goes out there, you know, it's not such a big jump for him. Makes sense. The the other thing that, that uh, related to obviously this coming season and the impact of COVID is that, you know, there has been concern about whether or not we're going to have a whole generation of players that almost lose an entire year of their development because potentially we're going to have no season. Obviously, we've had updated government guidelines yesterday. The BBL released a statement literally just before we started this call saying that they need urgent government help and then because their season's meant to start in a little over a week. Um, Barcelona England are still waiting on advice to kind of determine what they're going to do. And, you know, the way things are going, I'm struggling to see how we're going to have a season. Um, you know... <laughs> If if that worst case scenario, the season is wiped out, is cancelled at all levels, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to, uh, I guess, tr- try and make up for losing a year of competitive basketball? I mean, I mean, I've, I've struggled already, to be honest. Like, you know, throughout the whole lockdown, I think it's, like I said, it's affected me, like, it's because I was so addicted to basketball, so addicted to playing every day and competing every day. So then suddenly, like, it's just taken away from me. It's like, like what happened? Like, I'm, I was struggling. So, you know, I was getting a hoop out in the garden, shooting. It's just not the same. Like, you know, the individual workout is just the same. It doesn't hit the same as competing against people. Um, and, like, the, the day we got back and were able to compete, it was, like, the best day, you know, like, it's such a good feeling. And the, the fear of doing that again, like, losing that again is just it's kind of difficult to get around my head. So I'm not really trying to think about it too much, if I'm honest, but I think the worst case scenario is, you know, just trying to stay in shape, you know, going, like going on runs. I mean, you've got a couple of weights at home. So if like the worst case scenario, doing things at home, you know, shooting in the garden, like if that's what it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be like that. But, you know, I, I, I pray and hope that it's not that way, but well, you're, you're, you're in a very privileged situation that, that you are, again, we talked about committing early. If there's no season, I, I'm more I'm more worried about all these kids that are using this season to, to potentially, you know, get out there and expose what they can do and, and get these offers. You know, there's there's kids that have missed out on European Championships in the summer, that have missed out on the Hoop Tricks Challenge, which was awesome. There's kids that have missed out on Den Camp. The, the, those three things, probably for an English kid, 
they're the three things that okay now you've got yourself on a platform that people are going to start listening about what you can and, and you do do right so those kids I, I'm, I'm most fear for those kids like yeah. what opportunities are they going to have you're going in you know this one year where you yeah i'm ready this is my year i'm going to get what i need and that's taken from them so that that's that's the hardest thing i think really is, is the kids that that we're relying on this year and, and don't have it cameron's fortunate enough and you've said it already that at the next generation tournament and you know uh, James inviting Cameron it was just an absolute godsend because didn't have that we wouldn't be having this conversation about Wake Forest we wouldn't have been having these conversations with all these colleges so you know as a family we're eternally grateful for, for having that opportunity Cameron had his Euros in February and everybody else missed their Euros right I mean that's that's what it is that's what it is and it, it, that, sh- that just shows the importance of, of having junior teams competing at the highest levels in, in Europe where possible you know and I, I think um Obviously, there was a whole furore about the fact that originally Barkin Abbey were getting fined for missing Division One games that that weekend and everything else. But uh, you know, it's something that definitely the, the the federation should be facilitating and and uh, to help ideally whether it's Barkin Abbey or, or another British academy, you know, get out to play in these competitions because it does it can make all the difference as as we've seen. Well, the repercussions are you've got a kid going to an ACC school. Yeah. Exactly. And you want it. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take the fine. I'll pay I'll pay I'll pay Barking Abbey's fine. <laughs> um the, I'm more of time. I, I wanted to just come and go into some of the early years stuff really quickly because uh one of the interesting conversations I I did a podcast with Dave Forrester last week and uh, we were talking about um, national team guards and he was basically saying historically uh, for the senior national team we've struggled with having stronger guards we've always been loaded in the front court um, and then when you look at the guards that we have had a lot of the guards that come through end up coming from uh, a basketball family with a normally a, a dad that's that's played professionally you know when you're sort of rewind back to when Cam was young and when he first started playing what do you think it was did you do anything specifically to kind of help his development to develop his basketball IQ to develop his guard skills like uh was there any direction from you or do you think it's more self-learned self-directed from him as he was coming up it was all me Sam it was all <laughs> <me>. <laughs> no um honestly so obviously being in the game Cameron was always there you know family always traveled to all the games Cameron was always there Ironically, we had this conversation with Cam's godfather, James Brain, uh, a couple of days ago. Um, he was always, he, he, and he brought up the fact how articulate Cameron was. So even at a really, really young age, you know, we'd be in the car driving, you know, wherever, and he'd be like, oh, that's uh, Alfredo's number. You know, we're like, what? What are you talking about? One of the players. Yeah, yeah. And you'd see it, you'd see a door sign, and, and you, know, uh, you know, whatever. And that was it. And we'd be watching a game on, uh, you know, on NBA game or whatever. Like, oh, he's got the same shoes as, as you know, Demetrius or whatever. We're like, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I'm there watching the highlights and the dunks and whatever. And he's he's picked up on this. It's the same shoes as one of the guys that's got, you know, so... I mean, that, they're, they're two examples of just how articulate he was at such a very young age to, to watch the game and, and, and appreciate the game. Um, and I think that that's, you know, people like Jackson Gibbons, I've spoken to many times and stuff, has always talked about Cameron having such a high basketball IQ. Um, in regards to, to coaching him, we, we, at a young age, he played all sports. He played football. He played football at a pretty high level. He was at Portsmouth Academy. Uh, he played tennis. He was swimming. He did karate you know we, we didn't say i play basketball so you're playing basketball but just being around it naturally so much it was it was your passion your natural passion uh to do that right and yeah well i had to choose at 10 years old you know it got to a point where 
there was I was playing football and basketball were my two main sports. And I think it was, I remember, I kind of remember the conversation in the car. I was about 10 or 11. I genuinely remember the conversation. Um, we were coming home from Brighton, I think, or going to back on one of the games. And we were talking about, like, he was telling me, like, Cameron, at some stage soon, you've got to start making a decision whether you want to play football or basketball. Because, you know, obviously basketball I had games on the weekends. I was training out the week. But then football also had training on week, weekdays and had games on week. So it was, there was so much going on. And, you know, football games are normally in, early in the morning. But if I had an away game on basketball, then, I, you know, which one do I play? And, you know, it kind of got to the point where I had to just choose whether I wanted to play football or basketball. And I think just the, 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 the love I had for basketball just kind of overpowered football. And I think, you know, I kind of enjoyed it more, maybe because I was slightly better. But, you know, I think just being around a basketball family kind of swayed me slightly towards the playing basketball. And, and then obviously it massively helped that I was working at a school so we could be in the gym all the time. Yeah. You know, the, you know I, I hate the, the, the unseen hours and the, you know, all that no days off and stuff, but you know, I'm, you know, for Cameron that, that he, he does epitomize those things, you know, the amount of hours and, and don't get me wrong. It was not plain sailing, you know, every day coming back from practice you know, one of us is blaming the other one for why practice was bad. Like, we both speak lived... to mum about this one. Speak <laughs> to mum about this. Yeah, like, like we we hated each other. We like literally hated each other. But you know, obviously, mutually respected each other at the same time. And just very quickly, I remember, obviously, we're, we're very close with Steve Nelson and the Nelson family. And Steve always said to me, you know, when when him and Luke, when he was coaching Luke for as a junior. They had a deal that when he was on the court, he was coach, and when he was at home, he was dad. When they got in the car, they had a few minutes to talk about it, and you know, then it's changed. Now we're dads and do your homework, blah, blah, blah. We didn't really <laughs> stick to that, unfortunately. We were walking through the door and shouting at each other and storming upstairs and everything else. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Cameron's biggest critic and his greatest fan, so... Um, you know, it's been trying times along the way, but uh, yeah, I feel at this point anyway, at least it's been worth it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> we can say something else. Okay. Cam, do you think there's anything that you've done? Like when you talk about uh, developing your own basketball IQ, studying the game, is there anything you, that you do particularly, uh, that you've done particularly a lot uh, that you think has sort of led to your, your development of your basketball IQ? Hmm, I think the main thing that, I do is just I love watching basketball like whether it's highlights whether it's an individual game or and I think I just from like a young age and I've always wanted to just be like someone else and then it got to the point where I was like instead of being like him let me be better than him so let me see what he does in a game and then let me just do that but try and do it better obviously I'm, I'm like an 11 year old kid looking at LeBron James like yeah I'm better than LeBron James obviously I'm not <laughs> but like the type of stuff he does I'm like right I'm gonna try to do this in training and then I do it in training I'm like okay is you know, LeBron James up. the best example yeah <laughs> um, okay. yeah and then you know I try and do some of the stuff he does in training and then like, okay maybe I messed up a couple of times but then I get it and then I start doing it and I'm like okay you know let me think about something else I can do I think just watching the game and being around the game for so long is just probably just the reason why I feel like, you know, my my IQ is pretty high. If you were to give an analysis sort of breakdown of your own game, uh, how would you describe yourself on the court? Obviously, give us your strengths and then maybe areas of, of weakness that you want to improve upon and work on in the future. Yeah, so recently I've been asked this question a couple of times, to be honest. And more, time, more so it's more like... Um, who do I see myself as? 
and like, or if I can compare myself to someone. And I, you know, when I think about it, I start to think about Kyrie and the way he plays, you know, how his handles are pretty good. He can shoot the ball fairly well. You know, he can finish around the basket and he's an okay defender. And I think that was pretty similar to me that I feel like I was a pretty good scorer and I was an okay defender. Um, I feel like, you know, we're kind of a combo guard that, you know, could bring the ball up and run off fences if I need to. But then again, if, you know, you wanted me to be on the wing and become a scorer, I feel like I'd be able to do that. Um, I think one of the main things for me personally this year that I'm going to try and, you know, focus on is maybe being more of, of, of um, sorry, more of a facilitator, especially for the school team as well. You know, trying to get a few more assists, just trying to get, you know, and eat, make a good shot for a great shot. Um, so if I have a good shot, if I have a good shot, maybe it's a jump shot or something, and I see someone wide open under the basket, instead of me shooting that, I'm, you know, I'm looking to pass it, and I think that's one of the main things that I'm going to look for is being more of a facilitator this year. Makes sense. The, the other thing uh, when when we're talking about sort of your journey and development was when you finished your GCSEs, uh, you know, pretty much the the sort of the standard route in the UK is is uh, finish finish GCSEs, then go to one of the the powerhouse academies, EABL schools uh, up and down the country, and and sort of play. Um, national league with that with a national league club and then and then in the ABL as well. Obviously, you chose not to do that. Um, you made the decision to stay at home uh, and represent uh, Holy Holy Trinity uh, in the ABL, which obviously is definitely I would say a, a step below your ability, um, which you've proven. Obviously, MVP this season, and then uh, and then obviously have, have been playing Worthing Funner in Division One, which I guess makes up for it on on some level. So, I'll be interested to kind of just hear your thought process around making that decision, why you made that decision um, and what the pros and cons were uh, when you were considering it? Yeah, so I think towards the beginning of the process about where I want to go and stuff, you especially were trying to think, you know, ABL and Holy Trinity wasn't the best thing. Obviously, he was, you know, saying, obviously, I want you to be home because, you know, I don't want you to leave type thing. But then he was just trying to play that, you know, he does it all the time, devil's adequate, you know, trying to think what's best and, you know, and, and then it started to get into the point where we started to really think about it and think about every situation possible. Like there was itching we went to look at, barking was an opportunity. Um, and those two schools, were, you know, obviously just because they were EABL, they were an academy. But, you know, Holy Trinity is an academy. They are, you know, they are a basketball academy. Um, and the thing that offered, when I went to Itchen, for example, they said, yeah, you're going to play on Division One men's team. Great. You're going to have individual sessions. Great. But you, you're not really going to play much EABL because your main priority is going to be, you know, Division One men's. But yeah, you've got National League, but again, you know, you're trying to focus on men, so you're not really going to play much in National League. And I was like, okay, you know, I kind of want to play as much as I can. You know, I'm trying to get, you know, the reps in, trying to get good game time, whatever. Um, and, you know, I didn't really say it at the time. I was like, okay, cool, I understand. And then going to Barking, you know, thinking about Barking, um, Obviously, they have an EABL team and a Division One men's team, no National League team. So that's already one like game less that I'm going to be playing if I was anywhere else. But then I think the main thing about Barking was the fact that their EABL team was the same as the Division One men's team. So, you know, I'm playing against the same players at EABL training as I am for Division One men's training. So then when I play Division One men's training against them and then I play against an actual Division One men's team, I'm like, OK, like I'm playing still against you know, under 19 kids. And now I'm playing against 24 year olds. That makes sense. Um, and obviously the individual sessions was great. Um, but then the thing about Holy Trinity is like, you know, the social media guy, Carl, he's, you know, unbelievable. The, the things he produces for me in the club, I think is, you know, crazy. I think he's the one, if not the best social media guy out there. 
Apart from you, Sam. Apart from you, Sam. For a club, we've got to say, we've got to say, for a club. For an for an individual club, for sure. For an individual club. Yeah. Um, but no, I think you know. Then they had the individual sessions. You know, they're great. Being home obviously is a nice thing to do, especially as I'm going to hope. Well, at the time, hopefully, go to the states, and now I can say I'm going to the states. Especially for mum, you know, wanting to see me and stuff. She had kind of, oh, I want you to stay, blah blah blah. And he was like, no, he needs to go somewhere else. <laughs> so that caused loads of arguments. Um, school, yeah, it was ABL, but you know, they had national league team, so I'm already playing minutes there. Then they had Division One men's team, which is with Zaire and Alex at the time, who I knew I was going to learn loads from playing against men's and then obviously Tom Ward as well who was there as well um you know he's always been there looking out for me since I was 11 as well and I think just the whole time of being at Holy Trinity I I don't regret coming here I think I've had a, a very good year at Holy Trinity I think I've improved lots lots of contact time loads of you know game time with the school yeah it's not the best division but you know it's still somewhat competitive um obviously we lost the Haringey for example that's just you know it is competitive um they were probably the third best team in the country, regardless of what they're yeah, wearing. Yeah, exactly. For sure, that's the that's the thing in it. I always say it's like, well, Har- Harringay are the one team that definitely you stick in the ABO and they wouldn't be out of place, um, for sure. But yeah, sorry, carry on. No, and then I was just saying, you know, the national league team as well. You know, being able to play good minutes in there as well, just getting the um, you know, the reps in and stuff, and then obviously being with my friends as well that I've been around. You know, I've I've, I've known these guys from under 11 playing under 14s been around these guys and then you know throughout the whole year throughout the whole national league team you know just staying close to friends i think is going to be important was important to me at the time and then yeah lastly was just the men's you know the opportunity that they gave me with like i said zaya tom and alex and the way that they allowed me to play i i think was a good fit for me and i think i don't regret the decision staying yeah they're not the holy trinity isn't known as an amazing academy but you know, I think for me, I think I've improved a lot this year, and I think it's been very beneficial for me to stay. Did you have anything to add on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and start and, and sit here and use this as a selling tool or anything like that. But you know, the, the amount of contact time we give to our kids, you know, the amount of individual small group sessions we have with our kids on top of our training sessions, um, you know, the amount of contact time we have is is hugely uh, beneficial. Um, and and we, we've been trying, we've been pushing to get into the EABL for, for a number of years. My argument would be if you're Barking Abbey, you're Myers Co, you're uh, Itchin, how many, how many tough games do you play in, your, in, in the year? Mm. Right? Because if, if I'm an I'm a English kid, I want to go to Barking Abbey, Myers Co, Charmwood, you know, Itchin College. I want to go to one of those. But then if everybody goes there, where's your competition? Your competitions against each other, so maybe you play two really tough games, four, two really tough games, two mediocre games, and then the rest of them, you know, you're, you're going up against teams that shouldn't even be in that league, but they're, they're not there by merit anyway. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. So, so we knew that that was never really. So, if, if the priority then is not EABL, then what's the next priority? You know, playing Division One men. So, as as Cameron explained, um, you know, having that connection with with Worthing, um. Was great for you, and yeah, and yeah I, I, I don't, I personally don't think it's a bit like what he's doing now. I'm waffling about, but it's a bit like what he's doing now. We don't know if this is the right decision. We'll know his decision to go to Wake Forest in five years' time whether it was the right decision. We didn't know a year from now whether him going to Holy Trinity was going to be the right decision or not, right? But we're here now, and we've got to look at it and go, you know what? It's worked out pretty well. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, massively helped by the introduction of, uh, of the ANGT, but it's worked pretty well. So, yeah, definitely don't look back at it and, and think anything negative, that's for sure. I'm super aware of time. Uh, just fine, so- you're fine, Sam. No problem. I was just uh, just going to kind of wrap up on um, the future aspirations that you have, Cam. Like, you know, we hear the three-letter NBA word thrown around, um, and I'm sure you, you kind of have that in your mind somewhere. But I'd be interested just to kind of hear your take on, like, what your aspirations are in basketball, what your future goals are, you know, where you, sell, where you see yourself being after, you know, four years at, at, at Wake Forest. Like, kind of, yeah, what's your, your thought process around the whole thing? Um. Like I say, from young, I've always wanted to go to college in America. And and if your dream as a basketball player isn't to go to the NBA, I think, you know, are you really that wanting to play basketball (laughs) at a high level? Like, that's how I take it anyway. Like, if you're not a kid playing basketball, like, oh, my God, my dream's to go to the NBA. So amazing. I'm like, then what do you want to do? Like, why are you playing basketball just for fun? And that's because I'm so competitive. That's always what I wanted to do. Um, So that's the dream. That's the goal. And I don't think that's going to change until... Hopefully, you know, four years, maybe less, who knows? Whatever happens, happens. And I think that what I want out of basketball is if to be my job. You know, I want to come out with a degree and I want to come out with maybe, well, I want to come out with basketball being my job, you know, that I'm able to go to play basketball, the thing I love doing day to day and, you know, getting paid for it like it's my job. So I think that's where I want to see myself in however many years, basketball being my job. Obviously, the dream, the goal is to the NBA, but... Who knows? We have to see what happens. It, it, it's funny. I, I find there's so many uh, players. It's like everyone aspires to the NBA, but it's almost like no one fully wants to own it. I guess for some reason, just because it's, it's almost like there's a, a shyness around uh, if it doesn't happen or people thinking you're stupid or, or whatever, you know. But it's like for anything to happen, you've got to want it to happen. You've got to believe that it's going to happen, you know. And I, I yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, afraid of, of, of owning it and saying that's, that's what your goal is because the truth right yeah um, for sure and i think that's the thing with cameron you touched on it earlier about when he went into men's uh, basketball he had no idea what he was going to do he didn't, how, how well he was going to perform you, you go to lithuania no idea how he's going to perform you know he's going to go to wake forest no idea how he's performed but if we base on what he's done so far you know first game in lithuania you know 35 points game winner you know last game in men's division one 45 points seven rebounds seven assists What's going to happen in Wake Forest? I mean, I just obviously, I've said, biggest critic, greatest fan. You know, who knows if it, if it happens and he and he he has a Lithuania style tournament if his first year in 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 the ACC against Duke, North Carolina, Syracuse, like you know, Louisville. It, the, the team. Who knows? Crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, the competitiveness of Cameron is why he's where he is today. Yeah, yeah we can talk about dad being a coach and this and that and the other the competitiveness of Cameron is why he's where he is today and, and I don't doubt wherever he goes he will be successful because he cares so much perfect that is a awesome place to leave it uh, just coming up to the hour mark I know you've got to run for practice so um, yeah thank you so much and uh, congratulations on the decision uh, I wish you all the best for the coming season hopefully uh, COVID does not wipe it out and we have a season because I uh, We'll be very gutted uh, if it doesn't happen. Uh, definitely want to see, obviously, you take to the floor as well as, as everyone else. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll cross paths at some point soon. Yes, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sam. Psst. Hey, podcast listener. 
that you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now, uh, open up your podcast player, go to the Hoops Fix podcast, you'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it and uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.